What's up, good people? Uh, welcome to another episode of the uh, Three Times Dope podcast. H, what's happening? We missed you last week, and we see it's just it's it's two times dope this week, and, and we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, I had a um. I'm so glad to be back in community, even though we two times dope. We missing one third of our three times. Shout out to Doc, who is taking a a retreat, a sabbatical. He is uh, fueling up that tank so he can get back to doing the work, so shout out to him. But yeah, last week I was not here. I had an event with Title IX. Um, our girls were invited to participate. folks that are listening, what is Title IX? Yeah, so Title IX, this is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and so Title IX was provisions around, that came under the Civil Rights Act, that helped to create equity and more resources and equitable funding and support for women in institutions such as school in this work. And so I would often tell my girls, um, if they have a person in their life, their grandmother, their auntie, somebody at their church or community who's over the age of 50, that when that woman was a girl and in school, they did not have to have the same kind of provisions and experiences as male students did. And so that might mean if my grandmother wanted to play basketball and she went to school before this legislation, she would not have had to necessarily have access to a basketball team. If she wanted to take a particular class, she would not have been um, allowed to take certain classes, allowed to have supports for funding, allowed for scholarships, allowed for jobs, around for equity. If they decided they didn't want to hire a woman because they didn't think that the work was woman-like, people didn't have to. And so this is the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Um, and so Girls Inc., as a national organization and as a local affiliate here in DC, have really been trying to do a lot of things around the policies around that, helping young people to understand what things they are entitled to, what provisions they should be getting and seeing at their schools, and hearing from girls at a round table about what their experiences are in school. Um, so our girls got to sit in and do some work this week, or this that week they did work around menstrual justice, and around discipline in schools. What's, 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 menstrual, what's, what's menstrual justice? Yeah, so when we think about menstrual justice and we think about things around work in school, we think about access to resources that girls and young women have when they are menstruating. We think about access to using the restrooms. We think about even the way that our facilities are. And so think about this. You have a 10-year-old who's in fifth grade who attends an elementary school who has started menstruating and those bathrooms don't have the proper receptacles for her to dispose of the things when she is finished with the things that she may need, right? And so we think about all those things that are a part of our systems and structures that we don't always acknowledge and respect when it comes to women and girls, which have an impact on the way that they are able to engage in school. We think about restroom mm -hmm. passes, who can and can't go. We think about adequate changing facilities. We think about all of those kinds of things. and so. We also know that what happens a lot of times is that for girls, especially middle school girls, um, when they are menstruating, that they may need more time, right? They need more time than the two-minute bathroom break that this class takes at 11 o'clock. 
They may want to, um, sometimes they are embarrassed. They don't want their bags looked through as they enter and exit the school. They may, you know, there's just things around access and resources that we want our girls and young women to feel just as safe and supported during that time um, because it's something that they can't control, right? Like you can't govern passes to the nurse if a young person has, <laughs> you know, has cramps or doesn't feel well. Um, and so we talked about mental justice for our girls and we also talked about discipline. All of those things around discipline are rooted in push out and thinking about ways that girls, specifically girls of color, are suspended at vastly majority with higher rates than white girls for the same things. We think about adultification. We think about ways that we criminalize the behaviors of black girls. We see three or four black girls gathered and dressed alike, and we will describe them as a gang. Um, and we see three or four Isn't white that, girls dressed alike. That's the textbook, that's the textbook definition. It's the textbook definition of gang. More than three people together is a gang. Right, but but when we if we talk about three white girls together, we don't refer to them as gangs. We just say, oh, you guys are hanging out, right? It's about the language and the mm -hmm. things that we use to describe them, the way, especially if there are disruptions. When we look at the ways that adults describe behavior, right? If something happens, oh, make an incident report. And some of the language that we see educators use when they're talking about black and brown girls gathered <laughs> versus when they talk about white girls gathered and the way that they respond to them. So. That's why I wasn't here last week, but I'm glad you brought that up. Y'all always trying to make things about race. This ain't this ain't got nothing to do, folks. If you're in the audience right now, tell us where you at. Tell us, <laughs> check in with us. If you uh, well, you know what? You, uh, let's let's do a let's do a Listen, social I'm, emotional a social emotional check in. If you are feeling joy and and, uh, and you uh, one to five, where you at? Five meaning you're feeling joy. One meaning you need a little help. Let's go. What's going on in the chat? All right. So we got some topics that we need to get to this week. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they are of interest to me and to us. And so this first one, right, uh, we're going to call this pink sauce critical consumership, right? So H, I need you to set this up. So let me give you the screen. <laughs> so what, so, H, what happened? So here, here's my thing. Um, a few, yeah. I'm not on the machine as often as you are, so I'm really surprised you didn't already know about this. There's a young lady, I don't know where she's from, she made this Let me, call. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, wait, wait, wait. Let's clarify here, right? Because that could be, that could be a come for, right? And so, I'm not always on the machine. When I am on the machine, I'm doing work, right? And so, I don't always have time to be looking at the TikTok and, like, doing all these other things. So, hey, listen, you caught it before I caught it. It's all good. You're a researcher. You're supposed to catch these things, but <laughs> but go ahead, set it up. I'm a so young lady creates this sauce, and for the last couple of weeks, she's been pouring it all over everything. She's in the car, she's pouring it on chicken, on a waffle, on a Big Mac, and you can buy it, right? So now she's like, I got this sauce. You can buy it twenty dollars, cash at me here, get this pink sauce, and people buy the sauce and they eat the sauce and they get sick. <laughs> Somebody Hold stomach wait, hurts, wait, wait, they wait, vomit. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Let's do let's do one let's do it one better. Let's do it one better because we got a little visual, right? Because you know some folks are visual learners, some folks are auditory learners. Even though you know there's this argument that there are no learning styles, but we're gonna go with it anyway for now. Go on, show the big sauce. I know I'm not the only person who noticed that she did not actually eat her sauce. 
She took a bite of the chicken and cut the video right there. It's possible that she could have been like, what? Throw it off right after she cut the video two times. I went to her page and watched both videos. She did not swallow. Take a bite and stop the video. Ma'am, why are you afraid to eat your own sauce? That in itself is suspicious. Don't be suspicious, ma'am. Why can't you eat your own sauce? Hmm. I wonder. It's so, so, so is it? <laughs> so, thing, right? So, one, like, there is this fanaticism around something because it seems new and cool. That's a right? pretty big word right and, there. Yeah. Can you break that down? If you are, if you are if you look a certain way or you have a certain thing and you're doing a certain thing, then it's supposed to mean that everybody else wants to do it, right? And not only is, and I didn't go deep in the rabbit hole because again, it just came up on my feet. But there were these questions when folks were saying, well, what does it taste like? Is it like a lemon pepper? Is it spicy? Is it like ranch? And she would often say, well, I really don't know how to describe it. It just tastes good, right? It tastes good. <laughs> So people, people get now, also what we know about sauces is we look for like, I'm sure that there's some culinary folks out there who love us and who listen to us. So I would imagine that they're looking for texture, for um, like the thickness, right? They're looking for different yeah, flavors, yeah. little spices and stuff. And people have been comparing it to Pepto-Bismol in its consistency because it's a little, it's on the little on the runny side, right? It's giving a little yeah, yeah. runny. And yeah. so again, Shout out to her for being innovative and for using a, a form of <laughs> media. We, we shout her out for that. We shout her out for getting oh, people sick. Here's the thing: we gotta. While we can shout her out for her innovation, because if it what if people weren't so easily entertained and want to buy everything without asking questions, then we wouldn't hold be up, here. Wait, hold up. So, so, time out. Time out. Time out. Let's break this. Let's break this down, right? Let's break this down for the viewers, right? Because you have your theories as to why folks are buying this product from her, right? And so it's pretty much all right. So, so t talk about it, right? Like, why do? What's your theory on like why men? Because let's name it, right? Like the majority of her customers or consumers are probably men. Why are they buying this product? And are they being savvy consumers? No, I don't. I don't necessarily know if it's men or women. I do think that we we. See... I'm putting that theory out there. Yeah. We see someone who meets a certain aesthetic do a thing mm -hmm. and then want that thing, right? That's a part of advertising. That's why they have Cardi doing Pepsi commercials. Now, we don't look and live anything like Cardi, but the thought is if I can have access to something, that, it does look like that pink hair oil moisturizer, Michelle. You're right about that. <laughs> it looks like that pink oil moisturizer that she used to put on and get in the thing. That's the thing. Don't, don't, don't get her started. Don't get her started. <laughs> but the thing is, right, and so this is a, an advertising tool, right? They, they yeah. pick people that look a certain way to appeal to a certain market. So if she wanted yeah. to be creative around this sauce, she also knows, I mean, People want pink and colorful things all the time. We got pink hair, pink lashes, pink, all this stuff, right? I get it. Not that but I'm dipping my, my food in. But here's the thing. We have to just be more critical. We have, there are two, it's, it like reminds me of the Wikipedia phenomenon, right? Like we're not reading, we're not vetting our resources anymore. We're just buying whatever we say. We're just click to buy. Yeah. We're not checking yeah. to see where is it made? What is the real size? What is included in it? 
when you even looked at the back of the, the ingredients, like some of the stuff didn't even make any sense. Like, how can you have this amount of things to say it's a sauce? But people are so easy. Oh, I can have that. I can want that. I want to be the first one for it, right? I think it just creates, we, we have to, the same way that hey, we want. look at this. Our, <laughs> the same hey, way that we I want. I love this. Our, <laughs> Listen, I love how she's being, I love how she's being self-critical. She's being self-critical, right? Like this is this is this is what yeah. But here's the thing. Go ahead. Yeah. It's less about what the girl put in her sauce and how many people fell for it, but the fact that yeah. we can so easily fall for things. And there is this culture around I just I'll just buy it. I see it across my feed and I think it's true that I haven't even vetted the resources. I see this yeah. thing. She's on. She's on TV, so it must be real. She's on my TikTok, yeah. so it must be good. It's got 14 likes. It must be worth it. And so we just have to, the same way we want our young people to be critical consumers about the things that they are learning in school, the way we want our parents to be critical consumers about the decisions they make about where they send their kids to school. It's the same questions that we need to be asking before we go and just purchase some random pink sauce that looks like a hair moisturizer to put on my chicken tenders. It's not cool. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was like some kind of yogurt mixed with ketchup, mixed with like I thought it was all types of things that shouldn't be on anybody's food, right? And so, yeah, that's why that that's why it didn't come to me because I am a critical consumer and I would have started that and I would have laughed. I'm like, get this shit. I would have put the X on it. I'm going to delete. I'm like, don't you know show me this no more. Stuff. Nah. Well, I do. I, yo, listen. Yo, listen. Everybody has a guilty pleasure, right? Everybody has a guilty ratchet pleasure. And, you know, some people just don't name it, but I, there's some things that I see that I like. Like, I, 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 I like trap music, right? Like, that's my jam, right? And so, you know, I, you know, from time to time I indulge. <laughs> from time to time I indulge, but that, don't 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 yeah, let me get right. right. And you can indulge, and if what you yeah. indulge in is a sauce by someone who's not a chef that you ordered off of TikTok, that yeah. you can't, that is not. Somebody asked about the FDA, and she didn't even know that the S in FDA stood for food. She said a medical product. Why are you bothering me? Again, we have so much access, right? You can just go to Costco and buy a bunch of little jugs and decide that you're a juicer. You can just make up juices and sell them in front of the store, right? Where you is the well, regulation? Can't, can't really. Where See, is the... There, there, there is so much regulation because, you, like, like you said, you could sell it outside of the store. You can't sell it in the store because there's certain things that you need to do in order to be able to put those things on shelves. Like, can't no regular, like, grocery store put your stuff on the shelf if you don't have an ingredient up and like with with the certain specifications that the FDA has in order for you to be able to put your stuff on the shelf. And so that's that's how right. she... Yeah, but again, it, it gets to the thing, right? It's the same as like folks who want to be create clothes. Before there were these hurdles around getting your store, getting your shirt in the store and getting it made and created and like now it's featured in the store but we have so much access now folks can just get a press press and make their own shirt at home and say i got a t-shirt line um <laughs> so she's checking you now Han did make a <laughs> yeah, yeah. We gotta ask questions we gotta yeah. ask questions all right so the next thing up we we talking about the covid 19 vaccine and you would think after two years 
of 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 going through COVID, you know, seeing it as worse, that we wouldn't even have to have these discussions anymore. But here we are. You got the BA five, BA four, BA five. Uh, I think the BA five is the most prevalent, um, the most prevalent source of COVID right now, with eighty percent of new cases that are coming up under BA four, BA five, right? And so we were, you know, in the past was Omicron was the dominant. Now we got BA4, BA5. And school's about to happen. School's about to come back. What's that going to look like? <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, I think about jurisdictions where the expectation is no shots, no school. And I think mm. about, you know, places that people who really feel even less connected to the community responsibility of what I believe is getting vaccinated and boosted and continuing to wear masks and be safe. safe. Uh, you know, I think we, we opened up outside and we wanted people to like, you know, re-engage and open up schools and buildings so we can, you know, get the economy going. And, and we have to really ask ourselves at the sake of what we still are only two years into this vaccine. And so many of our young people, are still growing and developing, right? Like, you know, your your frontal lobe isn't even fully developed until you're 25. And so we don't know the impact, but we also have to trust the process and trust the folks who design it, trust that they are in the same way that we had trust around measles and chicken pox and polio and other vaccines. If schools are going to be places where we want to be safe, that safety is both physically safe and emotionally safe. And a part of that is responsibility to ensure that the teachers and the classmates are safe. We've talked about this before, right? Doc would often say if there was somebody fighting in his son's class and they threw a chair, he would be pissed if his son was in potential danger because somebody is wilding out because they threw a chair. That's not keeping that child <clears throat> safe. It's the same argument. I don't know what's going on with H and her setup, but um, let me take y'all to the stream here. If you want your children to go to a public school in America, they must be vaccinated. These are all mandates because seemingly private actions actually impose public costs. You should not have the right to spread disease and occupy a precious hospital bed. Some Republican politicians and conservative media figures are finally urging people to get vaccinated. But they may be too late, as they did with the rise of Donald Trump, the allegations of voter fraud, and the accusations of a stolen election. The Republican Party has indulged its crazies for too long. Yeah, so, I mean, that was a good clip, right? Because, like, you know, at the end of the day, if your kid is not vaccinated, um, then your kid is not going to school. But one of the things that we also have to name about, like, this lack of COVID vaccination, right, is that there are other vaccinations that kids are supposed to be receiving that they're no longer receiving because of uh, of the parent, uh, because of the distraction of the COVID-19 vaccine, right? And so usually uh, there's a gambit of shots that uh, that, that kids get at, an appropriate, at the appropriate age, yeah. right? So, like, I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree, right? And so I think what happened is if you looked at vaccination rates prior to COVID, for the most part, people 
recognized and understood the way that vaccines worked. And they knew that you had to get certain vaccines when you turn two, when you turn five, like that's you, you, you miss a day of school because you're getting your five-year-old shots, right? And it was a, it was a, a general agreement. Like, I know when they get five, they need this. I know when they get 12, they need this. And so I think what we've seen in the last two years is the way we've talked about COVID, the political polarization of who gets to have what and what it means if you're vaccinated, you know, by giving folks this choice, they're like, well, if you can't make me a COVID vaccine, you also can't make me get polio. You can't make me get measles. And so we have to think about what are the implications of that, not only for our children, but for adults who are caring. Um, I think earlier last week or late last week, we saw that there was a, um, a case of polio in New York. And like the first time in I, I think she's saying that there's a case of polio for the first time in 30 years in New York. I don't know what's going on with her internet. She's out here telling me that it's me. I know it's not me. Um, and uh, and so uh, earlier uh, we were looking at um, at like the different diseases or whatever. Um, and so I came across, you know, it, it, the the hot thing now is uh, monkeypox, right? And so there's probably about uh, over 3,000 some odd cases of monkeypox, right? And so one of the things that I was going to do was I was going to bring a visual in in order to, to, to show it. But I couldn't even bring my heart to do it because it's like, you know, just me seeing it, like it just put me in a totally different state of mind to where I couldn't even show the visual. Like that monkeypox thing is serious, right? And so like I don't know if you're in the audience and you've seen monkeypox, but I'm totally like I'm defeated, right? So like if I if I if I ever God forbid, I mean knock on some wood right now. But if I ever came down with monkeypox, now I don't, I, I I don't I don't know, like you know. So like all these things got me thinking. I think the end is near, right? So you seeing a a a a rash influx of COVID, different types, different strands of COVID. You're seeing a resurgence of uh, polio. You're seeing a resurgence of monkeypox. I really feel like the last days are upon us. Uh, you see in these politicians uh, and these re- resurrections and like all this other stuff that's happening. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think if we read Genesis, uh, Genesis talks about uh, some of these things that are occurring right now. I, I, I think the only thing that's left is the is the uh, the only thing that's left is what the, the flies. The, 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 the... <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> It's all bad. What? Give me a second. You probably can't hear me. Give me a yeah. second. I can hear you, but I'm taking you off. But uh, yo, folks, if you in the audience, the only thing that's left is the flies, right? So uh, once that happens, man, it's over. Is it Genesis? Oh, it's Revelation. My bad. I, hey, listen, don't fault me. Blame it on my, blame it on my heart. No, blame it on my mind. Anyway, um, I think that you know, because we have all right. So if you if you are a parent and you have uh, some reluctance to get your child vaccinated because of COVID nineteen, that shouldn't stop you from getting your child vaccinated from all the things that you got vaccinated from all the all of the things that have been historically accurate in terms of receiving a vaccination, right? And so you know, make sure you get your kid their shots, right? Because I know that if you're going to these doctors, these doctors are not telling you uh, to not give kids their shots because of COVID nineteen. Like there's a gambit of, of, of shots that you need to have prior to the fifth grade, prior to some high school, and definitely prior to some college, right? And so make sure that your kids are getting these shots, even if you have a reluctance centered around 
the COVID nineteen shot. Make sure that all of the other um all, all the other vaccines that your your child is supposed to get that they're getting them. Uh, make sure they're up to date with their shots because again, if you're not up to date with your shots, you're not coming in people's schools. Like people don't no people shots, don't no schools. School. No shots, no schools. And so you know y'all better you know y'all better recognize. All right, uh, H, you back? I am. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Good. Okay. Yeah. What's going hey. on with your janky internet? I don't know what's going on. That's never happened before, but that's okay. You know, listen, when I was a principal, our, our motto was find a way Vikings don't quit. So I was quickly able to transition to my other device, put on my earpods, and I'm back with people. So no shots, no school. We cannot let something as important as the health and wellness of our children and our communities. Because if our children get sick, guys, like it impacts the community. It impacts their teachers. It impacts the bus drivers. It impacts you and your wellness when you have to go to work and go to the store. This is not just about the government not going to tell me what to do with my kid. The government tell you what to do with your kid every day. The government tell you to, to what you're supposed to do every day. There are regulations around speed limits because it keeps us safe. There are regulations around lights and trash and, and water consumption, all of these things because it keeps us safe. And we can't be so fired up around what people are going to tell us what we can and can't do that we forget some of the very important progress that we've made around safety and around medical investments to just keep our children safe. You know, we want a better world for them, but if we're not here, it won't matter. Hey, did you restart your computer? Because you're, you're, yeah, whatever you're doing right now is trash too. Really? Yeah, I mean, my phone, I don't yeah. Think maybe it's not me. No, it's not me. Folks, if you're in the audience and you can hear me clearly, give me a thumbs up in the audience. Folks, if, if, if H is sounding a mess, Give her a thumbs down in the audience. <laughs> Ain't got nothing to say. No. <laughs> hey, so so one of the one of the things I want to talk about, H, because you know, you you hit me up and a lot of people hit me up as well, right? They asked me about the conclave. So the Qs had they uh had, had their annual we had our annual conclave in uh in Charlotte, North Carolina. So the, the Qs took over uh, uh Charlotte, right? And so folks was hitting me, they was like, hey. Man, you're not at the clave. Man, you at the clave? No. Hell no, I ain't no clave. You see all them folks down there, you see COVID running rampant. Man, COVID ain't over. And I ain't see a goddamn mask on any queue, on any member of Omega Sci-Fi that was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I didn't see not one mask, right? And so I knew that if I went down there, I wasn't going to be able to practice no social distancing. I'm going to be around people that I love, man. And even though I love them, so my love for them is what prevented me from going to the clave, right? Because yeah. if I had gone to the clave and had infected anybody, I don't have COVID, but if I, if I had contracted it and infected somebody that I love and that would have had some kind of recourse of action on their health, I would have never been able to forgive myself, right? And so, you know, shout out to the brothers that went down there and, and had fun, had a ball, uh, and made that transition from Q-Dog to old Mega Man. Uh, but me, I couldn't do that because I couldn't, I, I, I just wasn't, wasn't willing to do that. Plus, I wasn't willing to bring that back to my family. Like, you're going to be around thousands of people. Like, you know, these are people that you might not have never seen in your life. You don't know what they're doing in their everyday life, right? You don't know what they did prior coming up to in the airport because, you know, you got these people on these planes that ain't wearing no mask, ain't doing nothing, right? And then, you know, we bringing this, bringing this stuff back to our families, man. I, yeah, I don't want to label it as irresponsible. 
or naive, but it just couldn't be me. And so, shout out to the bros, root to the kids. Yeah, not me. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the other piece there though is that you understand the social responsibility of it, and so you understand that you make choices as an individual adult that impact others around you your children who don't have a choice and others who do have a choice. So you take that on as a, as a way to be responsible. Like we've seen, we've seen a bunch of, of gatherings. We've seen Conclave. We were down in Indy a few weekends ago with, with my sororals who was celebrating their centennial. And, and, you know, I'm walking through that and you know, I, I get, I saw lots of people with masks, but and you know, it, the messages that you get in your head, can really contribute to how you think about things. Because if you watch, if you go outside, you don't see folks, it's hot. You assume you see people on vacation, they back shopping, they back in nail salons, they back in clubs, they back in the stores, right? Like you you think, well, maybe it's it hey, over. Back in these streets. They, the streets are open. And so, you know, I, again, like that same level of responsibility that you said, we, as when you are a school leader or a district leader or an educator, that responsibility is multiplied. That responsibility for you is multiplied by every kid and every teacher in your district. Yeah. Because if you hey, go I, somewhere and get sick and you come back, you got to do a leadership yeah. team meeting with five principals and now you're putting them and their families at risk. And this is why so, it's a collective so, responsibility. Absolutely. I, I was just, I was just talking to some folks about contracts, right? And so usually when a, in a superintendent's contract, right? You get a certain amount of time that you could be out of work. So, like, <clears throat> God forbid something happens to you, something happens to your family or whatever. They give you about 90 days in order to get it together, right? Anything after that 90th day, because your job is so important to uh, to the district, they can replace you. You can lose your job after that 90th day, right? So, like, after that 90th day, they're going to put somebody else in your position, and they're going to be interim acting until you can get yourself together or whatever, if you're able to get yourself together. So, like, we got we to gotta be right. thinking about the responsibilities that we have as CEOs, as C-suite adjacent folks that are doing this work. We got to start thinking about responsibilities that are more than just us, right? So, like, going to Clay would have been my fun, right? But if something would have happened at Clay, then that would have been that would have been irresponsible in terms of, like, the commitment that I have to my community, right? So, like, I'll always That's be committed right. to the cues always be committed to the cues, but my commitment to my community supersedes my commitment to the frat right now at this moment. Absolutely. And let me also say, there are lots of ways that you and other bros can be committed to the frat without going down there and eating barbecue, right? There's things around <laughs> service, around back-to-school drives, around mentoring, around community cleanups, around helping to recruit Black teachers, around paying their dues, around engaging in their schools, right? Like, there's tons you can do that doesn't have anything to do with going down there and eating barbecue. And so, again, like, three, 90 days might not sound like a lot of time. But in a school yeah. lifetime, that's a quarter. That's half a year. That's, no, right? no, no, no. That's half. It's, it's that's That's a yeah, whole semester. Days? Yeah, it is. Right. That's that's <laughs> boi to moi to eoi. What you going to do yeah. with that? Like that's you gotta do something. You can't miss a whole quarter. You can't have a teacher miss an entire quarter and then hold them accountable for student data. Right. Like that's a right. there's a lot of time that happens in well, between. That, so right. It's, but it's, it's it's funny that you should mention that, right? Because hey, well, I mean, this ain't on the show list. But hey, this this is a, this has become a constant normed conversation among school leaders is teacher attendance, right? And it's a real 
ginger topic, right? It's a real, it's a topic that, you know, a lot of folks that don't want to broach because of this, uh, this mass resignation or whatever, right? And so, like, you know, how many school leaders are coming into this work right now that are now walking on eggshells due to the fact that they have, you know, these, 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 these hiring and staff, cha- these staffing challenges, right? So, like, folks that under normal circumstances, if there was a robust uh, field of teacher, uh, teacher recruit recruits, right, that you wouldn't take some of the stuff that you are going to have to eat this year, right? So let's talk about unpack sure. that. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the other thing too is not only does it impact the teacher workforce, so let's we think about our substitutes, right? So at least in the districts I've worked in, our substitute force is often retired teachers. Folks who yes. no longer are in the classroom who had lots of so these are some of the people with the most time and the most flexibility, but also who may be most vulnerable to a spread of COVID or to yes. a spread of monkeypox in our yes. buildings, right? And yes. so yes, yep. we want that veteran teacher who we know retired who can come in and take on the reins and do the work. But like how how often, how willing are they going to be? to make that kind of sacrifice when we know that the implications of that can be very harsh, right? And I saw another article that talked about if you haven't gotten COVID, you probably have and just didn't know it. And this large group of people who talked about how extremely sick they were in November or December of 18, like right at the end of the year. And they they didn't know what was going on. They were like uh, diagnosed with bronchitis and asthma and given breathing treatments. And now looking back, they actually had it. And they were talking about this from a statistical point of view, thinking about like if if folks are on their second and third bout of COVID, (laughs) like even to Biden to getting it twice, then everybody's probably had it once, which is why it's like making it round again, right? And so thankfully for those who have have had it and recovered or who have had it and who are battling long COVID and being healthy or those who have been exercising and drinking their water and taking their vitamins and staying vigilant against it, like we can't act like... Hey, 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 freeze, time out, time out, time out. You you, you just sound like a hulkamaniac. Why? You, you, You remember Hulk Hogan? We, what do you he's like, you better eat your vitamins and it, it takes. Oh, <laughs> so I was, I was much more into Randy Macho Man Savage when I was a fan. I wasn't really into Hawk. I was into Randy and into um, Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. I was Woo! a little dark then. Ooh, I'm not going to do it because it would impact the viewers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like we, we got to think about, we got to think about that. And, um, you know, I am happy. I know that we've got a lot of districts that are either already starting back or who are getting ready to start back. Um, and so I'm excited that, that all of the talk oh. about I'm leaving teaching, we're never coming back. It's a mass exodus. Well, Yes, there's an exodus, but um, Bam. it is important for us to recognize. Look at that. Look at how they cued that you up. Cue, you know how you cued that up. Hey, this is a professional. Pro. You're a pro. Oh, my you're, God. You're, hey. you're a professional. You're hey, a so, professional. So, <laughs> folks, if you're in this audience right now, if you're a teacher or you teacher adjacent, tell us, a, tell, us, uh, tell us what you think about in-service teaching. Uh, what were some of the best uh, opportunities you've had in your in-service uh, campaigns? And what were some of the worst opportunities uh, that were make what are some dream things that were not given to you that you think would have worked or would have made you a better teacher in in service? So all that all that said, what do you think teachers need during in service in order to make them good teachers and good stewards of the curriculum um, 
moving forward. So H, what you think yeah. they need? So I think I think they need grade level planning time. I think they need like real planning, not like the first 30 days and I want to put their names on the lockers. I want to clean my desk and put their name tags on the desk. Like I mean like no, like real, real time planning, looking at that data. I think they also need good time in their teams. I think one of the best times we were able to provide planning is when we also gave that planning to our specials teachers and not just the mm -hmm. specials teachers to plan like my PE lesson, but like allowing them to plan alongside grade levels so that when we were talking about the civil rights in fifth grade ELA, we could also talk about drumming in the music class and its connections to Africa or step in the PE class and its connections to the unit, right? Um, I remember that year we did a lesson on drumming because they were looking at the, the civil rights, they were looking at the war and they were looking at the civil war and like how the drummers and the role that they played around cadence and around, and we were able to integrate that into the music lesson so that they could like learn about it too. So I think that, that across content planning they need, I think they also need time together. Um, I think they need time with their colleagues. And I think also they got to have time with families before they come to school. If you are an in-service teacher and your school is not requiring home visits, when you get your class list and you call those families to say, hi, I'm in suchy suchy, I can't wait to have your kid in my class, I would encourage you, I would challenge you even to say, I would really love to meet you before the first day of school. If you have some time, I'll be at the library in the community and I'm going to set up shop there mm. from this time to this time. Okay. Just come by and meet me, right? Like, I'm not trying yeah. to ask folks to go into home visits. Home visits and family engagement is high quality training levels, but there's no yeah. reason you can't say, I'm going to be at the playground yeah. around the community. Or what church? Yeah. I know that there's a church that's next to the school. I'm oh, wondering wow. if I just go there and you, on a and Sunday. You, you, <laughs> and you putting on a clinic right now. Let me, where my where my pay that? Listen, what? all you got to do, because if you think yeah. that the first time you're going to meet some child and their family is when they are coming on the first day of school, well rested with their lunch bag and their brand new uniform and their hair all braided and their socks all fresh and that their parents going to drop their most precious asset off to you and that's supposed to be it. That's what yeah. you should be doing for this summer. That, oh, that's wow. what that's what you should be doing. Talk to them. Hey, yeah. I'm good to meet you. I'll be in a yellow shirt and I'll also be at the library if you want to pull up. Right. We always yeah. tell the folks they got a problem. Pull up. Let's tell some families pull up before they even have a problem. Come pull up. I'm what? having popsicles. That's a come bar. pull up. Ain't you out here? Tell them come pull up. Job. Hey, listen, that's why, yo, D.C. was done. And I'm putting this on a record right now. Right. D.C. was done a huge disservice. When they when when you left the principalship in order to go and do other things, DC was done a huge disservice. So even if you weren't, even if you were not in a building, you should have been training principals on how to show up the way that you show up. It just would have made for a better, uh, it would have made for a better school system in DC. So if you're in DC right now and you were a part of not keeping H <laughs> And, and not uh, and not developing her to go to central office in order to do the things that they need to do. Oh. We're gonna talk. I'm gonna text you. I know who you are. Anyway, oh. Oh. <laughs> um, so so one of the things that I did when I was fifth grade uh, academy director, right, is that I had a hundred students in fifth grade, right, and uh, I one of my responsibilities was to go to a hundred homes. 
in Harlem, right? All over Harlem, all over New York City, in the Bronx, wherever. I went to a hundred different homes, right? And 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 the thought process behind me going to those one hundred homes is that on the first day of school, I wanted those kids to see somebody that was a familiar face. So as they were coming into this new opportunity, into this new school, right? It's real easy to clam up when it's people that you don't know or whatever. But like to have that face that they saw in their homes, right? Uh, was was um was extremely inviting for them, and it broke down a lot of barriers for me. And so, you know, it, when you get to know a parent from going to their space and, and going above and beyond, then that parent's gonna always remember that. And so, when you're calling the house and you're like, "Hey, um, you know, I'm having a problem with," let me use your word, "suchy suchy," right? <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I need your assistance, right? Parents are gonna be parents are gonna give you the assistance that you need because they know that you will go above and beyond for their kid, right? But I I don't want to shoot us in the foot and put us in that disciplinarian box or in that box to where like you know we we aren't scholars. It takes a whole lot of thinking and ingenuity in order to go out and and, and, and make these plans with parents in their homes, right? And so this is not you know black men being grouped into you know, being disciplinarians, this is thinking outside of the box and not in order to best challenge students in order for them to meet their goals, right? Um, I think one of the other things that we need to do in, in service is we need to discuss our why, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. like first day of school, like, I, I need you to come with a, a refined why statement to your kids so that they know exactly why you are in front of them, why you are doing this work, why you want them to be successful, and why as a unit you want you all to be successful during the school year, right? And, and part of your why statement should talk about your own personal story as to like what makes what makes you tick as a teacher, what makes you tick as an educator, uh, why are you so passionate about it? You know, why, why they should be doing your work. Um, it, you know, I, that why is very important, H. Yeah, and the why is important because on day three, it's going to be a hot mess. Somebody's gonna call out. There's gonna be the bus is gonna be missing. Some class, some teachers gonna forget that the lunch schedule is A and B, and they're not gonna bring their kids to lunch. And you're gonna have to ask the cafeteria lady to whip up something real quick and need extra seats. And so I'm gonna need you to be connected into that why, <laughs> because it, it it will immediately get to what am I doing? He won't listen. She won't listen. It's too hot in here. I'm sick of outdoor recess. It's indoor recess all the time because it's August and it's still raining. This parent won't call me back. I got to do these journals. Like it will quickly turn <laughs> to what am I doing? And so if we don't remit, if we don't push teachers and educators to think about their why, then 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 on day three when it falls apart, right? And 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 listen, I'm not saying day three like it's all a mess, but like we know that it takes at least thirty days to build camaraderie. We know that we have young people who will show up on the first day who won't finish the end of the semester or the end of that calendar year. We know we have young people who will show up in September. We know we have folks who will show up October 1st after they had an awful first six weeks at some other school, right? And so we know like that, we don't talk about those things, right? It's just like in in relationships when you see these like relationship goals and they buying flowers and they out to dinner, but like they don't talk about all the things that are in the underbelly. And so when you are running a school, there are things that are in the underbelly. There are, right? There are conversations about <laughs> snow removal. 
that you yeah, yeah, yeah. have on a snow night, right? There are yeah, conversations yeah. about retirement, around budgets, around ink yeah. printers. Are, there are negotiations that you are making with folks yeah. who want to come and partner with your district to try to get more out the contract than it actually says. They telling yep. you, you get 15 licenses, you need 17, and you got two teachers who are sharing code right now. I know you are. I shared a brain <laughs> code Two. for Two. three years, Man. okay? The parents got the code. The parents, the reading, hey, the reading parent, A to Z, right. the reading A to Z code. Hey, the parent, the parents got that. Hey, I put that, put that on class dojo. You Listen, got this. I hope I'm not incriminalizing myself, but we had access to a really great resource that I used yeah. three schools after I was there. We were sharing that login like I, it was a Netflix hey, password you, because you, we hey, wanted access to. You, hey, you sound like me, and when uh, when I left Baltimore City, and I still had that PBS uh sign in. It was, a, it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were using that job that we were using that brain pop job for at least five years. I was in three different districts in another state, and we were still trying to log on to that brain pop job because it was high quality, it was relevant, it was short, it was good, it was connected to a standard. Like shout out to brain pop. I don't even know if they still do it, but what I'm saying is. We got to connect folks to the wide. We have to give them time to build community. And we also have to encourage our teachers and our educators to be really engaged in teaching and learning. Our best PD was when we asked teachers to be the student, to produce a writing sample, mm. to make the exemplar, yeah. to solve the problem. And, yeah. and we also recognize that so much of what we have been teaching children and the way we have been teaching it is is time stamped in a way that does not always translate to 2022. So I also no, need some planning time yeah. for you to yeah. be innovative and, and you making something relevant does not mean putting it on the slide deck. That's not making yeah. it relevant, okay? That's yeah. just because you made a TikTok with it, just because you made your Canva post with the with the picture does not make it any more engaging for young people. And so we got to yeah. be thoughtful about that. And so I think in service week, while I hate that it happened so early because I love that my teacher friends and even when I was a teacher was able to have that time, if used well, it can set up you for success for the next six weeks. All right. So we got we got a comment. Uh, we'll, we'll address. Uh, it says, considering that teachers don't get students parent contact information until the day before school starts and sometimes not even uh, until the end of the first week. Uh, it would be a wish for school administrators to send out a robocall or a mass email or a message on paper or something to invite parents to the school playground. Yeah. So, hey, listen, uh, as a teacher, uh, you, you, have, you have every right to, to, to pull up on your administrators. Right. Like pull up, pull up. Like, hey, pull up. You know, they got I, that don't information? Know, I don't I don't know a principal alive. Right. And if, and, if, and if you guys know a principal that would would deter you from from reaching out to your uh, to your scholars prior to the first day of school, hit me up. Let me know so we can have a difficult conversation with them. Uh, it, it, yeah, because like I'm, I'm calling people out and taking them to task. But anyway, For sure. you, if, here's the thing. Yeah, every every yeah. kid had to register. Every kid had yeah. to register. Max. Yeah. They had to register. You made a, a supply list that you were going to give to the main office. So that yep. the secretary can put it in an envelope and send it to the family so they can come in with the right materials, right? Absolutely. The same way that you do that, they got that child's address. You put that thing in the safe way at the giant. You put that yep. thing up in the library. You put that thing around it. Go to the barbershop. 
hey, I'm yeah. a teacher at this school. Hey, yeah, you put that thing up at the same way. <laughs> you put that thing up at the same way, H. Your enrollment might increase. Because <laughs> let me tell you, you something, that that's a- community. Because let me tell you something. That's another missed opportunity. We yeah. have neighborhood businesses, grocery stores, barbershops, laundromats that are right in schools, in the communities of the schools. Every time somebody got a birthday party, who buying cupcakes at that giant? Every time you got a breakfast for teachers, who who's running to the store to get the bagels and the juice and the fruit? And so I don't understand. And when we fell as a school, that impacts that grocery store because the grocery store in the corner is where everybody's hanging out instead of being in school. And so there's no reason you're, you're buying. How much money do you spend on bagels? and breakfast, yeah. and Panera around your neighborhood, and sandwiches for teachers, and birthday cakes. Hey, you better, not be out here buy, yeah, you better not be out here buying, you, you better not be out here buying no goddamn Panera and no Starbucks sitting up talking about you don't get paid enough. You need to make some adjustments in your life. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? With that, this, is what, this is a community. We need to be, invest- that's another thing school leaders and teachers need to be doing. In addition to going to say what's up to your families and the church and the barbershop and the hair salon, yeah. go into those neighborhoods and say, yeah, hey, I'm a teacher here. You got a sandwich shop. One day we're going to be doing a unit on Italians and I want you to bring in some subs, right? This, if we, go. <laughs> if yeah. schools are going to have to bear the responsibility of saving the entire planet and all of the community, then it's going to yeah. take all of us to do something. All of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You may have a young person who wants to own their own restaurant and be a chef. Now you got to hook up with the man. You know, Mr. Rosito on the corner block at the bodega. Like, we got to yeah. stop acting like this is a us versus them. This is an all for all. This is the fight of our lives. And if we don't do something different, we're going to be real sad. Yeah. H, listen, I don't know if you got 500 MBs or 200 MBs. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> Hey, I don't know what kind of Comcast thing you got. I hey, don't know what's going you on. Need to, you need to invest in yourself because this is some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's some real shite. We got to Yo. close out early because we can't even finish the show, man. That's because that's Doc's not here. Doc put the juju that, on that, us. That, he said, oh, I don't want y'all to work to when do I'm not here. Doc put the juju. Him. Doc put us something on here so we can't function today. I don't know what's up. Man. Folks, if you're in the I'm audience, sorry. I dropped the link. I dropped the link for uh for all uh 22 previous uh uh episodes. So if you get a chance, uh please share that information. Uh get that out here. Uh yeah. So we in these streets. It's a real podcast, not just a you know, it's not just we showing up and talking to y'all on video. It's it's it's, it's real now. <laughs> it's real. We got images, we got we got <laughs> we got videos. We got everything out here, man. Yeah. So, uh, hey, closing out, man. What's your closing thoughts? So, my closing thoughts are for today. Um, it is the 32nd anniversary of the ADA, which is the Americans with Disability Act. Similar to my comment about Title I being only 50 years old, I often think about friends, family, colleagues, neighbors who have disabilities. And if these legislations um, that protect them and increase their rights and access are only 32 years old, I think about those people who are older than that, who have had to suffer in silence, who have remained homebound, or who have not been able to have access to the same kinds of things that we take for granted because we are folks without disabilities. And so I would encourage folks as they think about 
you know, where we need to grow and also big up to the Civil Rights Act, because again, we have to recognize that had it not been for the Civil Rights Act of 1957, that we wouldn't see a lot of these things around women's rights, around rights for, dis for those with disabilities. And I think we have to push ourselves to remember that civil rights legislation is not just about race, but around civil liberties and equity and justice for all kinds of people, regardless of how they show up. So um, that's my last word around today, being the 32nd anniversary of the ADA. Yeah, I appreciate that, sis. Let me get myself the whole screen so I don't get you in trouble. All right, so my final thought is going to be a little bit tricky today, right? And so, man, I have this, this, this thought in my mind, right? Florida's been on the decline for a while, right? We don't want to name it and people don't want to talk about it or whatever, but like this was prior to DeSantos, right? So Florida has been on the demise for a while. And mm -hmm. so I have this working theory that we should donate Florida to Cuba, right? I'm actually working on it uh, right now. I'm going to, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on putting some stuff out here so we can do if, if Cuba will take it, right? Because Florida is hella problematic right now. And Cuba might not want those problems, right? Because I, mm -hmm. I know I don't want those problems. I don't want those problems from Florida, especially with it being uh being one of those states that decides, uh can, uh, can decide the presidency or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with Florida anymore. Like, anything that's ignorant that's coming out right now, anything that's anti- a human, right? Uh, it's coming out of Florida right now, and it's just terrible at the fact that we can't just take a saw and just saw that thing and just <laughs> let it float in the water to Cuba. That's that's what I want. I, <laughs> I feel like Bugs Bunny did that on one of his episodes one time. Either I gotta that find it. I feel like he like had a saw and just went at it, and then it like went floating away. Yeah, we should look. Okay. Anybody out there got that clip? Make sure you let us. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that I saw that before. I Shout need to find the Warner Brothers. But anyway, <laughs> folks, we'll get this uploaded and we'll check you next week. Hey, oh, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, new podcast alert at eight p.m. Uh, eight p.m. tomorrow night. We got the uh, Engage podcast with uh, a doctor and a future doctor and another future doctor. So come listen to these principals talk about uh, about. Uh, getting y'all ready for school. We're calling this one, uh, what are we calling this episode? I think it's um, getting ready for school. Anyway. <laughs> we'll we'll see y'all tomorrow. We out. And see y'all next week. <laughs> All right, we out. <laughs>